Brothers and sisters of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this afternoon's text presents a marvelous and miraculous event, a resurrection. This is an important moment in the ministry of Jesus. In Luke 4, Jesus announces that he is the messianic servant spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, the messianic servant who is anointed with the Spirit. His spirit-led ministry has led him to visit Nain. It is here that he demonstrates before the crowds who he truly is. The Lord of hope. The God of great compassion and power with the ability to restore the dead to life. The world around us has great difficulty accepting that the dead can be raised to life. They argue that it is simply impossible, so there must be another explanation. It becomes a stumbling block for many. As believers, as God's covenantal children, we not only confess this to be possible, but we place all our hope in this certainty that Jesus overcomes death. And this afternoon, I will proclaim to you this comforting gospel message under this theme and points. The theme being, visiting Nain, our Lord grants us hope when faced with death. And we'll look at the three points. The first point being, our Lord sees the grieving mother. Second, our Lord restores life to the dead. And thirdly, Our Lord be glorified. Our first point then, our Lord sees the grieving mother. Previously, the Lord was in Capernaum. He healed the servant of a centurion there. Now, he travels southwest to the town of Nain. This town sits at the foot of a mountain, Mount Moray. And Nain is not large. In fact, there are fewer people living in the town than are gathered for worship here this afternoon. And so we envision a great crowd of followers, the disciples and Jesus, visiting this small town that's nestled under a mountain. When the Lord approaches the gate of this community, a funeral procession is taking place and a man is being carried out through that very gate and we must know that this is no coincidence if the Lord was delayed an hour or arrived an hour earlier the dead man would have either been buried already or he would have been still in the town no the Lord the master purposely visits here at this precise moment. There is intention in his movements, and we will come to know why. That the man is being carried out, the only son of his mother. Also, his mother is a widow. We can imagine this to be a most grievous situation. The mother has lost her lost a husband, and now she has lost her only son. 
Although she is not alone because of the considerable crowd around her, where she is surely receiving support in the small village, she is alone in her great despair. Or is she? Our Lord Jesus is near. He sees her in her despair. And he visits her. He visits the mother in her time of deep despair. No one has invited Jesus to the funeral, but there he is. He acts on his own accord. He comes and sees the grieving mother in her time of need. He is not blind to her needs. He comes and has compassion on her. The Greek word used here for compassion contains a a deep inward emotion, indicating that this compassion is coming from the deepest core of our Lord's being. It's in his very nature to seek out the grieving mother. Such a deep compassion he had for her. The only thing that surpasses the mother's deep grief is our Lord's deep compassion. And he speaks to her. He seeks to comfort her with his words. He says to her, do not weep. The words themselves are saturated with compassion and love. Do not weep. And his words to the mother are not insincere or powerless, without meaning. No, they have substance to them. They provide hope and promise. When the Israelites were in Egypt, the Lord, the God of Abraham, of Isaac and Jacob, noticed their grievous situation. In Exodus chapter 3, God says to his people, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt, and I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction. The Lord God saw the Israelites and promised them deliverance. And he did deliver them out of Egypt. Our Lord Jesus sees the mother and delivers her from her affliction as well. He he restores her son to life and gives him back to her, comforting her and restoring joy. Jesus is, in fact, revealing to us that he is God incarnate, God in the flesh, visiting his people. He is the sovereign Lord of life, the God of compassion and hope, who provides deliverance from grief and sorrow. Death and despair. Are we experiencing great despair, beloved. Mothers of all ages, are you struggling with despair? Have you lost a son or perhaps a daughter? Such situations can bring much pain to our hearts, cause tears to flow from our eyes and weigh heavily upon our minds. During those moments in our lives, we pray 
we earnestly pray, longing for those words of comfort from our Lord and Savior. And he does hear our prayers. He sees us in our despair. He does visit his people. He is visiting with us right now, right this very moment. By his word and spirit. These words, do not weep, are for us as well. These are not powerless words on a page, but they are living, active, powerful words. Our Lord is unchanging and eternal. His compassion and love never cease to exist. Do not weep. Do not despair, beloved. Our Lord is near. His compassion and love never cease to exist. He sees us and he seeks to bind up the wounds of our broken hearts. And he promises to uphold and sustain us through all life's trials. Because of this, we can look forward with anticipation to the new Jerusalem as described in Revelation 21, verse 4, where our great comforter will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death will be no more. And there will be no mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. What an incredible future we have in our Lord Jesus. So in him we place our hope. And we will notice that our hope is not in vain as we look to our second point. Our Lord restores life to the dead. So our Lord Jesus visits Nain just as a funeral procession is leaving the village gates. The procession is on the move towards the burial grounds to bury the dead man. Our Lord is close enough to speak to the mother, and he now touches the bier. A bier is a, is a plank or a frame on which the young man's body would lay. It is not a coffin, but perhaps something that a coffin could be placed upon. So we can imagine that the body was exposed for all to see. He touches the plank and the bears stopped. They stood still along with the procession. And remember, this is a, there is a good number of people that are witnessing these events. A great crowd was following Jesus and a considerable crowd from the town was attending the funeral. We can imagine the shock of the crowds when Jesus touches the plank and stops the procession. Then, just as is the case now, this action would be considered inappropriate. Certainly outside of social and societal norms. If a stranger were to touch the coffin and solve the pallbearers, while we were to walk into the graveside, many of us would either raise our eyebrows in shock or we would furrow them in confusion. But this is the spirit-led ministry of our Lord Jesus. He touches the plank. 
He confronts the uncleanliness associated with dead bodies. He is not afraid of the filthiness of the son's body. His purpose is to overcome the core of man's misery, sin. And what ails the man on the plank? Death, a result of sin. This man is completely and utterly dead as a result of sin in the world. So he stops the procession. And the Lord speaks a second time. This time to the young man laying on the plank. Jesus says, Young man, I say to you, arise. And what happens? The dead man sits up and begins to speak. The young man's dead body comes to life. Within an instant of Jesus speaking the word, arise, his heart, lungs, brain, all his senses instantly begin to function. He sits up and is able to speak. What a shocking turn of events. Where there was once grief and mourning, quickly becomes gasps of astonishment and joy. The words of the Lord Jesus contain the power to grant life and deliverance. The same life-giving power that brought Adam into existence in the very beginning gives life to this once very dead young man. This is a significant moment in the history of redemption. Romans 5 Verse 12 tells us that death entered the world through sin. The sin of Adam roughly 4,000 years ago or earlier. In 1 Kings, we read that Elijah was able to raise a widow's son. But he needed to pray to God. He had to stretch himself upon the child three times before the Lord listened to his voice and brought life into the widow's child. But in our text, the Lord Jesus' voice alone contained the power to bring life into the mother's son. By raising this young man, Jesus is demonstrating that he has the authority and the power to overcome both sin and death. Jesus reveals to all the onlookers that he can restore life to a world that has fallen into death and decay. Once again, he reveals that he is God incarnate, God in the flesh, visiting his people. Why is this important? Through this demonstration, Jesus is preparing the world for his own bodily resurrection. Since he is able to raise others from the dead in his own power and authority, he is also able to raise himself from the dead in the future. And he did lay down his life when he humbled himself unto death on the cross. And then he, in his own authority, rose three days later. His own resurrection once and for all, conquering death, Removing the sting of sin. The Lord said to Martha, 
Lazarus' sister in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he goes on to ask Martha if she believes this. Do we believe this all to be true, beloved? Do we believe that Jesus has the power to physically, bodily raise us from the dead and that we will never die? That he has the power to accomplish this? Some may confidently answer this question with a resounding, yes, I believe. What a wonderful gift of grace this is. And praise be to him for this confession of faith. For if it were not for him, we would be spiritually blind from this reality. Some sitting in the pews or at home this morning may struggle with or deny the fact that a physical resurrection is possible. It's not humanly or medically possible, may be the arguments. Our Lord is showing that it is possible. And so the call is to repent and believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has the power and authority to raise up those who are dead. As we notice here in our text this afternoon, May the Lord Jesus, by his Spirit, powerfully work within the hearts of us all here today as we sit under his word so that we may be spiritually raised up in this life and bodily raised up in the life to come. Whereas sin is the great murderer, Jesus is the remedy who gives life. And what a wonderful, comforting thought it is that in his power our Lord Jesus will raise all believers all the saints that have left this world before us some of whom are oh so precious to us our miscarriages our stillborn infants our sons daughters, moms, dads brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts nephews, nieces, grandpas, grandmas, grandchildren, and our friends. He will raise them to be with him bodily, free of all ailments in the new Jerusalem. And this is the comforting power that we see when the Lord, our Lord Jesus, gives the Son who was dead but is now very much alive back to his mother. Such an act of compassion and power demands a response. And this is what we will notice in our last point. Our third point then, our Lord be glorified. After Jesus gives the young man, the well and alive young man, back to his mother, fear seizes them all and they glorify God. And this is not an out-of-place reaction. Chapter 5, verse 26, describes a similar reaction when Jesus healed a paralytic. Now, we must 
now we have just witnessed a dead young man being raised to life. And this is not your everyday run-of-the-mill occurrence. The mother receives back her son from the Lord. Her life was bleak and sorrowful. And in an instant, Jesus reversed this. We can imagine her cycle of emotions. Shock. Tears of joy. Wonderment. Awe. Reverence. Does she hug her son first? Or does she embrace Jesus in thankfulness? So many emotions, so many thoughts. Many of these are shared by the community, the followers of Jesus, and us here as well. All of these emotions are brought together into one word in our text. Fear. This fear seizes all of them. All of them. And they glorify God saying, a great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this we can say for certain, that the crowds knew that God had sent Jesus, that he was visiting them. However, they did not completely understand who Jesus was quite yet, that he was there to redeem them, as mentioned in Luke 1 verse 68. They called Jesus a, a great prophet. And if they knew him to be God, they would not have done this. Yet they knew he was someone special, which is why they call him great. Elijah raised a widow's son in 1 Kings chapter 17. In 2 Kings chapter 4, Elisha also raised a woman's son. This woman was from Shunem. Now, Shunem was also located at the foot of Mount Moray, not too far from the village of Nain. The raising of a son is no small event. And we can imagine the community of Shunem passing on what happened from generation to generation. And naturally, the communities close by would also hear about the event similar to what we read in verse 17 of our passage, where a report went out to all the surrounding country. And we can think about this as all part of God's divine plan. Remember, Jesus came to Nain with purpose, spirit-driven. This is no coincidence that two similar events, significant events, Resurrections occurred very close together geographically, but separated by many years. The community of Nain was meant to connect the dots, which they did. Yet, once the dots were connected, they were to notice the difference in the figure the lines formed. And this is what they were trying to work on. They were trying to figure this out. So when the people called Jesus a great prophet, they likely had Elisha in mind, and perhaps even Elijah. Luke 9, verse 18 through 19, the Lord asked his disciples, Who do the crowds say that I am? 
And they reply, John the Baptist. But others say, Elijah. And others, that one of the prophets of old has risen. One of the prophets of old, of course, includes Elisha. The crowds witnessing Jesus raising people from the dead, healing and doing other miracles, are still trying to understand who Jesus is. Yet, they glorify God. They knew that God was the source behind this incredible event of providence and transforming power. And we also know, and by God's grace, we know more. We know that God, our Lord Jesus, is visiting the mother, not by the prophets, but in the flesh. And we know that he continues to visit us presently through the preaching of the word in the workshop of the Holy Spirit. We glorify God along with the crowds for his visitation, for the revelation of his compassion and power. But will our glorifying stop at the doors of the church building? Or will we also spread reports about Jesus, about his deep compassion, about his power and ability to raise the dead? Remember, this event took place in a small town that housed fewer people than our church. Yet, they could spread the news about what took place throughout Judea and the surrounding country. What Jesus had done with them, or done before them and for them, impacted them so strongly and completely that they could not contain and keep it to themselves. They went and told everyone who would listen. And the name that was on their lips was Jesus. Everyone would hear about Jesus. Everyone, including the mothers of Judea. And what joy would they receive knowing that the Lord Jesus sees them in their deep despair. That he visits them and he is able to deliver them from their grief. Mothers of St. Albert, he sees you as well. Know that he seeks to comfort you, yes, by his word, and also by his spirit, actively working among the body of believers. Congregation, do not neglect those grieving. Visit the grieving mother. Be there for her and have compassion on for her. Let her know that she is prayed for. Perhaps put your arm around her and let her know that you are present. In this way, she may experience the love of her Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and honor forever. Amen.